Welcome back, everybody, to Pop Pop the Pop Culture Podcast. I'm the Energial Reeves, and with me, as always, is Taylor Salen. Hey, yo. And are you eating something? Lauren Sperling. I'm not eating something. Ah. Hi, friends. Almost. We finished it Almost. before we started. Almost got him. Uh, we it's going to be talk- the ASMR podcast soon. Ooh, <laughs> we do all have nice microphones. Yeah. Um, we could do something. I have a friend that does ASMR, and she just bought a house. So <laughs> oh, we are in the wrong business, kids. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, she's hotter than all three of us, though. That might have something to do with it. Mm. Taylor, roll me those sweet, smooth champs. Wooka, wooka. That's all sound based. No, but she's on. But she's on camera. Oh, she it's like a YouTube also. thing. Yeah, copy, yeah, yeah. Copy, she's copy. she's very hot. That's probably why. Um, yeah, she bought a horse and a cup. Yeah, and like a house. So it was like <laughs> insane. Cool. Oh, that's funny. Yes. Um. Uh. What? Uh, you've been. What we've been watching? Like. I guess we all we all watched <laughs> great segue. We all watched Joel. the same thing. We all watched one we thing can talk about together. Mm-hmm. Not together, but apart. You know, yeah. Apart, but together um, in our in our hearts, Joel. Mm-hmm. I do want to say before we talk about that thing, though. You guys talked about Holiday last time. Mm. I watched Holiday over Thanksgiving with my mom, mm. and like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yep. The guy was expecting hot garbage, and it was like mediocre garbage, lukewarm garbage. Yeah, yeah. But like, but it's charming. You know, that's what I enjoyed about it. Like, some of the the banter is really witty. Like, some of the jokes are really funny. You know, Um, I didn't really expect that out of a like a. It did make me laugh a couple times. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying it's laugh out loud all the way through, but you know, I think there's enough there to make it enjoyable. Yeah, I don't know why that guy, like, with someone like Emma Roberts as the lead actress, like, is, has that guy been in anything? Why was he the lead? Like, they, I feel like they could have gotten someone else. I mean, it is Netflix after all. Or if you're going to go with an Australian yeah. guy, at least cast Paul Todd. Like, come on. <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you doing, Netflix? T. Uh, yeah, that's all. I think that's all I watched since Mank. Hmm. Mank, yes. Uh, It's the movie we all watched uh, under my duress, I guess, if you will, under my urging. Um, I this obviously we we kind of talked about it a little bit on one of the previous episodes, I believe, when the when the trailer came out, yeah, um, and how excited I was for this movie. And uh, I mean, honestly, like it's it's kind of a big deal because a it's it's Fincher's first movie in six years, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, is the longest period he's gone. Yeah. With, without making a film. Obviously, he was still making Mindhunter and yeah. doing House of Cards and, and stuff like that. But um, uh, yeah, his last movie was Gone Girl, which I think came out before this. Like, let's put it this way. D- David Fincher's last movie came out before this podcast even existed. You know what I mean? So that gives it no like, a perspective. No Really? 2014 was his <laughs> so, last yes. film. Six years. Yeah, wow. exactly. So, you know, that's like, whoa, you know, and, and Fincher's one of my favorite filmmakers. So it's 
it's a big deal in that respect, but also this is the first quote unquote real movie that he's put out like on a streaming platform direct to stream. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a big it's a big prestige picture in that respect. Um so yeah, with that said, what did you guys think about this movie? I know the reaction to it has been um diverse, let's put it that way. <laughs> I think it was the least Fincher movie of any Fincher movie. I'll start with that, Lauren. Yeah. Yeah, I can I I can agree with you on that. Um I think stylistically Mm. I would still call it a Fincher film in the sense of like, um, we'll, we'll get into it obviously, but the the post production stuff they did to visually right. make it. Period. Um, I think that level definitely rings Fincher to me. But as far as anything like Blue Velvet, Zodiac, anything like that, yeah, definitely. I would say definitely the least Finchery. Yeah, Taylor. Um, I I have very mixed feelings on this movie as well um like most people although i'm not one of those people that's out there necessarily hating on the movie i think the movie has a some glaring problems right which is kind of a little bit unusual for a fincher movie especially a a fincher directed script which you know he's very much into you know digging into the script beforehand and like sort of figuring out all the nuances and you know doing all the finchery things that he's known for Script um, written by his father, by the way. Yes, yeah. and I definitely want to get into that because I think this movie, what appeals to me most about it is that it it works on so many levels, even if it doesn't work on certain levels, right? Yeah. There are a lot of layers to this movie, and there's a lot of history to this movie, not only the production and development of it, but the Hollywood history aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so in that respect, I felt like, you know, to put it plainly, like the the story was a bit of a jumble for me. Um, but with that said, I think it's brilliantly directed and it's, it's, I mean, for me, it's kind of, it's at this point, David Fincher, like feels like a shoe in for best director. I mean, it's basically up to someone else to come in this year with a, with a film and prove, you know, him wrong. They don't have Um, a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. Well, there's still a few movies, uh, still still a few few things coming out. Ah, yes. Wonder Woman 1984. Yes, yes, yes. Well, hey, dude, The Sound of Metal just came out, and that's a big um, art house, quote-unquote. I mean, that movie is going to get nominated for some Oscars, let's put it that way. But point being is that it's it's pretty much David Fincher's award to lose at this point, and I think especially after he got shafted for um, Social Network, you know, this is is definitely his year, I think. Um, So, yeah, I mean, those are my general thoughts. I, I feel like we should just get into spoilers because... A, this yeah. movie is history, and it's kind of hard to spoil um, the movie, even if you know the history, let alone, you know, someone, I believe, like Lauren, you said you've never seen Citizen Kane? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I am aware of it and aware of mm-hmm. the lore behind it, but I've never seen the film itself. Yeah. Taylor and I were both forced to watch it multiple times at CSUN. Well, you know, I assumed I would have been at some point. Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> By now in my yeah. studies. Well, the, it, totally. And the funny thing is, is I had actually seen Joel. Uh, I'd seen Citizen Kane before that. I actually own like the um, the Blu-ray when it came out. I think it's the 70th anniversary. Mm. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And so I had seen the film before because, you know, obviously like that movie is also a technical masterpiece with a story that has problems. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's still like essential viewing in my opinion for anybody who's in the film industry at least if you see you only see it once but 
point being is I think what's really interesting, and again, this gets back to one of the many, many, many layers this movie's working on, is how it kind of emulates like the experience of watching Citizen mm-hmm. Kane without yeah. actually watching Citizen Kane, but it's about the making of Citizen Kane, so it's like it's really interesting in that but respect. But here's so here's my problem with the movie. Is it about the making of Citizen Kane? Well, it's that's the framework, right? It's right. it's it's that's yeah. that's the it's the story is about the making of the problematic nature of of the way that movie ended up in terms of production and credits and all these different elements that are in play. But what I would argue the theme of the story about uh, what the story is about is really about Mankiewicz himself, you know, this sort of washed yeah. up yeah. um alcoholic uh screenwriter who's sort of past his prime and you know a guy like Wells comes in who's this hot shot 25 year old directing his first fucking feature and i mean i think there's something to be said too for for someone like wells who came in at 25 and directed what some would call the the best film ever made you know what i mean like just the ability i'll go on record saying i don't think it's the best well no i i I don't think either (laughs) i think it's for me it's probably it's probably a top 10 just in terms of its importance of like nonlinear structure like that was the f- yes. first movie to really embrace nonlinear structure which they actually talk a little there's pieces of dialogue that are about that you know mm-hmm. um and nevertheless i think it's really about this guy who's past his prime and sort of coming um you know wells comes in and he basically ends up writing his masterpiece and you know as they sort of explain in the film like he was basically just like a, a a script a, like a shadow writer you know like he wasn't yeah. intended to get credit or any of this stuff and he ends up producing some of his best work so i think you know those two things are at play um but i mean i you know obviously the acting as well um oh, is, gary oldman i mean the whole cast thought, is yeah i thought both of the girls were great too amanda seyfried mm-hmm. and um uh yeah, Lily Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought they both were impeccable in this film. I was, yeah. I was very impressed by both of them. I don't know if you guys know this, but Amanda Seyfried is my uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, where I like just hate everything that she does. Um, <laughs> but like Jake Gyllenhaal redeemed himself in my eyes through Nightcrawler, and I've loved him ever since. I thought she did a really fucking good job in this movie. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, like yeah. it, for a, for a second, I was like, uh, Amanda Seyfried. And then through the rest of it, I, th- I she did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't diminish her work in my eyes just because it was her in it. Absolutely. Yeah, she. They, she there were a couple moments in particular that I was like, "Whoa, yeah, she. Mm-hmm. That's Marion Davies." Well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's the resemblance is actually kind of striking, especially with you know the the freaking amazing costume design and like all the yeah. period mm-hmm. detail and period accuracy. I mean. You know, Fincher's notorious for his um, his precision in terms of, you know, creating something that's really specific, um, but also accurate to whatever world that he's building, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, all those elements. And I, the thing about Seyfried in, in particular, though, I found really, really impressive is how much she does with, like, essentially what is not really a, a lot in terms of speaking. Um, and it's a lot of looks and, like, visual... Yeah things that are happening to that point my favorite part is when he first meets her and like he's kind of like making a joke about why she's like screaming if it's not like a movie with sound and she's like oh well they're trying to introduce me into the talkies yeah it's like no well and yeah totally it's like she does a lot with what she's given and that's kind of exactly the point of her character Mm -hmm. in the movie yeah which is like yeah 
that's some fucking Fincher level oh, shit yeah. right there. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, the, the the thing that's really interesting too is that this movie is about the transition to the talkie period. You know, yeah. it is. But mm-hmm. what's even more fascinating is that m- this movie is essentially a talkie in itself, right? Everything right. Fincher did technically was meant to resemble what a film released during that time would be like. So yeah. there's one of these things, in the, in, and I would honestly highly, highly recommend anyone who's listening to this or um, anybody who's seen the movie to read this article. It's, it's a Vulture article uh, titled Nerding Out with Dave, David Fincher. And it's basically the, just this, this, this writer shooting the shit with him and just talking about the movie. And at one point he talked about, well, we basically did everything we could in post to sort of degrade the image and give it that vintage look, right? So he essentially said that they, like, intentionally lost about, um, I think he said about half of the original image quality that they shot it with, just mm-hmm. adding grain and filters and, like, all these different effects. And I think that's actually kind of what... Um, <clears throat> One of the things that you noticed, um, when I you, hated when you, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's interesting, but like you know, other things. I just that, thought I was having a stroke. Is what was <laughs> that like? <laughs> I thought it was a really cool touch when I, uh, especially the first couple of times I noticed that the cigarette, like the cigarette burns, yeah, were intentional. Mm-hmm. That I'm, and yeah, repetitive. That I'm fine I, with. I thought the emulating was done so well. Absolutely, as and, far as lighting, like lighting mm-hmm. techniques and blurry edges and everything like mm-hmm. I, yeah yeah absolutely and i mean even to the fact to, to the to the fact that like i don't know if you guys noticed this but this movie the sound for this movie was done in mono it wasn't done oh, in yeah. stereo because that's all they had back then and and it gives that like kind of tinny older quality like they used microphones that were um that were used back in the day like vintage microphones like um the score by Reznor and ross which i actually think is like maybe the best thing they've ever done um mm-hmm. is it was all recorded with instruments that they used during the time to create scores and and That's theatrical cool. music. So yeah. again, like the that. technical craftsmanship is like totally on point for me, you know. The stuff with like the microphones and like all of that I I mm-hmm. I love. I I think that's a really nice touch to the to the movie specifically being what time period it's supposed to be in. There was something while I was watching it. I tried to send you guys a video of it. At first I thought it was like like heat mirage from like some cigars that they were smoking but then it happened in multiple other scenes where they definitely weren't smoking and it was just like it's like their faces were like shimmering or like shaking and it was just it wasn't on any other part of the image and it just drove me fucking crazy yeah. i thought i was like seeing things mm-hmm. it was like almost it almost felt like a, like a power window or something that they kind of think yes. they put in post where it just has a specific effect for like the face you know yeah and i it just yeah. was, it was driving me nuts yeah to be honest um, i didn't really notice it but um when you pointed it out i'm like okay yeah that kind of makes sense like yeah know, and i know the- that my tv's like a native like hdr so like maybe it was like amplified on my television yeah, yeah. um so like you know however you, i can see why maybe that's not how everybody will watch it but it's like in my case it was fucking driving me nuts yeah um but the lighting as you were saying lauren like the older techniques you know a lot of hard light um mm-hmm. a lot of shadows yeah. it, it 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 was it was really lit like a 1930s film and mm-hmm. i i definitely if anything out of this movie i enjoyed it was the cinematography for sure yes absolutely yeah. and didn't they also film it entirely in black and white yes yeah and so, so. that's actually something i was going to mention too is uh, i don't know how accurate this is but basically 
they they what they did was they filmed in black and white, but they actually the idea was that Fincher tried to create everything in monochrome in the real space, even though you're filming in black and white to wow. just give it that extra level of shit. Like obviously wow. skin tones and stuff like that, you can't really you know, yeah. you have to film in black and white to get that effect. But this idea that basically the way they described it was like Fincher shot a, a black and white film or no, it's a it's a color film that appears to be black and white. Right. And that for me was like, holy shit. Like and once you really look at it, like all the visual like sort of uh, palette uh, color palette choices that are made, you know, it, throughout the whole film that becomes color palette choices yeah, that that, <laughs> um, that really, really like starts to blow my mind. But. Besides all the technical stuff, what what did you what did you guys like not like about this movie? What what, what sort of uh, was the to the detriment of the story in your opinion? I was so much more interested in uh, the race for governor than I was like like anything to do with like the making of Citizen Kane because it yeah. felt like the only time they talked about Citizen Kane was when they were checking in with mank to see if he was done with the script yeah. or at the end when orson welles comes to his house you know what i mean yeah. like it seems like those were the only times they were really talking about the making of the movie and i was much more interested in the fact that they were like creating propaganda newsreels mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. like take down um oh fuck uh what's his fucking face um not not Sinclair. Yeah, Sinclair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sinclair. It, it, Bill Nye. It's Upton Sinclair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were trying <laughs> yes. to take down Bill Nye in the '30s, guys. Come on. Bill Nye as Upton Sinclair was <laughs> fucking killer, by the way. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I I was much more interested in that storyline of like the B camera operator who got like mm -hmm. his chance to direct, and yeah. then he ended up like ruining like a a person's chance at being the governor with fake propaganda. Mm -hmm. So he kills himself, and it's like I'm that was a much more interesting story to me than like everything else in the movie, but it was such a small part of the movie. And I was like, totally. I want to, yeah. Can, well, can Fincher make a movie about that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I think that's actually one of the most thematically prescient parts about this movie is about yeah. how the whole fake news angle and essentially how they were doing that, like even in the thirties and it's just yeah. you know, history repeating itself to a certain respect. But the other thing I found interesting is that, you know, a lot of people think of Hollywood, at least nowadays as like this liberal, bastion you know like a liberal agenda and all this stuff but people don't realize that hollywood has like most of the time like actually been a very not liberally minded town at least in the past especially in the golden years it was a very oh, yeah, the thing that blew town. my mind yeah the thing that blew my mind was that the heads of mgm made everybody take a pay cut to donate to the gop <laughs> candidate and i was like yeah, yeah. fuck that yeah exactly yeah yep and so, yeah, and I think it's really interesting because it really kind of flips uh, this notion of like what we think of Hollywood as politically yeah. these days on its head a little bit and really gets you to think about those kind of things. Um, I will say that uh, that was actually the Upton Sinclair subplot was something that was added, um, I believe, after Fincher's father died. So this movie mm -hmm. was originally written um, before even he before he even went to make Alien 3. Um, yeah. So the first right, draft he was supposed to make this, it after the game, right? Uh, I think that was originally the idea. Yes, but they worked on several drafts that never ended up happening. Fincher's dad actually died in 2003, so this mm -hmm. script has basically been sitting on the shelf for a long time, and that's wow. something he that talks about time. in the interview. And and that's where it gets really interesting for me that in terms of the Vulture interview that I that I shouted out earlier, um, is that uh, this movie is very much about like Fincher 
coming to terms with his father's death and his father's legacy and his father's work, which ironically enough, he was a newspaper man who became who who retired and became a screenwriter. That's, that's the same. Wow, that's the same yeah. thing that Mank did. Mank was that's a newspaper yeah. man who wow. eventually, when the talkies came in, started working in Hollywood. Right, and again, that's crazy. and what he talks about is this like sort of complicated relationship. And to a certain respect, like he's cleaning off his shelf, like he kind of talks about, right? Like sort of exercising those those demons, if you will. It, not even to say that they're demons, but those those memories of your father, and again, what his legacy is, and all these things. And mm-hmm. I think it's really fascinating on that level because. It's essentially a director telling about a a story about a screenwriter, which that story is a one of the elements of it is about the relationship between the director and the screenwriter, right? Like, yeah. Nowadays, you have people who either write and direct, or you have screenwriters and directors that work very closely together. Like a a, a perfect example of that is is uh, Avengers Endgame and. Uh, Infinity War, right? There were two directors yeah. and two writers, and they all worked together to develop those things. Like that's kind of the way Hollywood works these days. But back then, it was a little different. The writer wrote, and then the director would go direct. You know what I mean? And sometimes yeah. you'd have writers on set and this and that. But there was a very clear delineation between those two things. And what's really f- fascinating about Fincher is he's that exact same way. He's very classical in that regard. You know? Yeah. So that's just yeah. another level that this movie is working on. Again. I think that the movie tries to pack a little bit too much into the screenplay. And I think, honestly, I agree with that. the screenplay might be the movie's biggest problem. But, yeah. I, but I also think that Fincher is wholly aware of that. And it's sort of him. It's again, it's kind of a therapy session in a certain respect for him uh, as a creative and as a filmmaker. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I thought um, for me, the third act is when it got really slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was pretty intrigued for the first and second act. And then it started to kind of fall apart in the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. His awkward was... confrontation with Hearst was... I don't yeah. think he needed. You mean the, the whole thing where he's drunk and he's like doing the... Yeah, the and whole... he pukes. Yeah, and he pukes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a big sequence, and I and I think that's really interesting because you know um, I agree that it was it was probably a little too self indulgent, but I think ultimately that's like one of the really core thematic, um, or at least it's trying to be the core, one of the core thematic scenes of of what this movie's about in terms of politics, and you know you have to remember Mankiewicz was just like a simple screenwriter going up against William Randolph Hearst, who in, in yeah. this day and age is like. Going up against Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg and right. Berg, and you're attacking yeah. their character directly. Um, even though, ironically enough, Fincher kind of did that too in the Social Network. But <laughs> point being <laughs> is that you know this is like this is William Randolph Hearst. Like most people who are familiar with the story know Hearst and uh, ins- you know served as the main inspiration for the story. But you know mm-hmm. it's it's easy to forget how much fucking power this guy had. You know what I mean? And what a danger it was to 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 write the movie that he wrote. Um, yeah, and I will Wells say apparently that scene apparently is um not factual factually accurate. Well, yes, that's not why he got kicked out mm-hmm. of San Simeon. Exactly, but totally, totally, and and I will say that I think one of one of the things that I liked, but also I think it's a detriment to the story and the screenplay is that it's kind of one sided towards towards Mankiewicz. 
Um, right. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the the whole idea is that the arbitration for who actually wrote Citizen Kane and who actually sort of crafted the closest thing to the story that we got is been debated for years. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, there was actually a movie, a, a direct to TV movie called RKO 81, where Leah Shriver plays yeah. um, a young uh orson wells and orson. he's actually he's actually pretty good in it like the movie's actually really great and it's that's hilarious. it's an interesting thing because it's the opposite side to the coin of mank which this is very much his perspective which hasn't really mm-hmm. been told in in a way like this movie does so i think it's 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 certainly problematic but um i also isn't that what the book disenchanted was about that we had to read in college kind of, was about mankowitz so. right i think so maybe not i don't know I, I forget. I have it on my shelf somewhere. I actually, have I to... have it on my <laughs> shelf somewhere too. We probably go, fucking both do. Yeah, I should probably go check that. But yeah, I mean, you know, like, and I think that's people's a lot of people's criticism with this movie too is that it's not necessarily one hundred percent factual in terms of right. that debate, right? So yeah. uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, a shitty explanation for no one who's seen this movie. It is uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon versus Chris Hardwick's wife's great grandfather. That's, uh, <laughs> that's beautifully, the, beautifully. That's who is also movie. who is also Tywin Lannister. Who is also Tywin? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's an insane plot. I yeah yeah. That's funny. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say on this, but we're we're, we're getting. I just almost... one little thing yeah. that made me chuckle, yeah. just from a, like a nerdy film. Mm-hmm. Um, perspective. I think I've talked about it on here before that I used to be a tour guide at Warner Brothers. Yes. Yeah. So that's a, where a lot of my knowledge is in, in regards to Marion Davies and Hearst comes into play. But the scene where she's driving from Paramount, she's making her exit from Paramount mm-hmm. to go work for Warner, shot at Warner Brothers. Of course. Of course. That is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I was watching it. And I was like, "That's definitely yeah. WB." <laughs> Absolutely, well, that's the one where he like jumps into the car, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I love yeah, how she that's... ends that scene with like, "I've already made my exit," and he's like, "Fuck." Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the Warner Brothers front lot. 100%. Yeah, that's so good. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, we should probably move on. I'd say, what would you guys give this movie in terms of like a rating or a ranking? Oh fuck, I don't know. I'd probably get it a like a seven. Because 10. technically, I think it's a it's a pretty great film. It's just like you were saying, the screenplay and story kind of falls apart for me. But yeah. everything else, acting wise, technicality, like technically wise, yeah. um, solid. Yeah, I would say probably about the same, yeah. like a seven. Yeah, for me, it'd be like an eight out of ten. You know, four out of five on my scale. Um, you know, I think this movie again, it has its issues. I think there's definitely a lot, of, a lot of value and merit to it, but I also think that it's kind of dependent on having the context of not only Citizen Kane, but everything that was going on that the movie tries to explore. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely made more for people like us who are industry buffs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it was um, agreed 100%. I will say, yeah. I think it's the only time, so I watched it right before this podcast. I think it's the only time I've ever watched a David Fincher movie at like 10 in the morning. Um, <laughs> do not do not recommend yeah. watching any David Fincher movie that early in the morning. It's not it's not a good time. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah and it was funny because, I, you know, like this movie is going to get a ton of nominations um, this year for the for Oscars. Sure. And someone was like, 
oh, like, Mank's not going to win Best Picture. Like, it's only for people who are into film. And I was like, I, resp- I literally are. responded to him. <laughs> I was like, who do you think votes at the Oscars? Yeah. Like, That's so funny, dude. That's great. It was, There's it no was popular vote at That's the Oscars. fucking yeah. hilarious. Well, and we, the thing is, the electoral, too, recount the votes. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Pulling a Giuliani on us. Um, dude, that's so good. Yeah. So that, that kind of cracks me up. I, I will say one last, God, we, we always do these one last thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I really did enjoy that final scene with Gary Oldman when he's arguing with Orison Wells and then like he has an idea about the film and he just yeah. like, and Orson yeah. just like, it's like, yeah, that could work. And then he just leaves. And then <laughs> yeah. he like, yeah. like, they're so mad at each other, but yep. then he's like, that's a good idea. But they and need each like, other, right? And I think yeah, that's what yeah. that scene's yeah. all about is the fact that they need each other and they, they couldn't have made what they made without both of them involved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. I just that seems so fucking good. Yeah, totally. All right, so moving on, uh, we we I guess we have um, let's see, what do we have first? Uh, breaking we have, news. Yeah, we have breaking news. That's right. <laughs> and what is that news, Joel? <laughs> are, are you is, afraid yeah. to speak What is that news, Taylor? Um, well, we learned fruition. today that uh, Alfred Molina is returning as Doc Ock for Spider-Man 3 Spider-Man or 3. the sequel to Spider-Man Far From Home. Joel. Oh, or no, let's boy. Lauren, let's go to you first. Let's go to you first. <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit. Just to, just bottle that tension up for a second, Joel. <laughs> and we'll let you go. We'll let you rip here in a minute, okay? <laughs> I just I am confused. I am concerned. I uh, we were doing so well. We were doing so well with the first no, two. No, we weren't. Oh, franchise. with the first two. Yes, we were. Yes. Yes. Let me finish my sentences, Joel, before you you judge me. I thought you meant about recent news with the movie. (laughs) No, 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 no. We were doing so well in this franchise, the first two movies. And then every time we get some news about this movie, it just feels like it's going to be another Spider-Man 3 from the first trilogy. I mean, it is Spider-Man 3. That's why I clarified. (laughs) I know. Though, I guess, you know what? If we're opening the can of worms, multiverse, yeah, I guess we are just going back to Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to be as meta as Mank is. <laughs> I just, like, I don't, uh, mm, ah, there's just so many questions. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and this news was actually, I believe, broken by Collider, which is a mm-hmm. really big scoop for them. Um. Yeah, this is kind of crazy. I mean, like obviously we we've dis- I believe we discussed it um that uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro was coming back. Yeah. Um so <laughs> we've kind of we've kind of and we also know that um Doctor Strange uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is set to make an appearance. Um He's already been filming actually. Yeah, well this this movie started filming and I think they're actually getting close to the tail end of production at this point. If I'm not mistaken, I think I think the first look we saw where we knew they were filming was where uh, Tom Holland posted the photo of him against a blue screen in the Spidey suit, but he's With also wearing on. a mask and he's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I, think, yeah. I think that was like, what, maybe two months ago at this point? It was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're at least like pretty deep into filming, you know, at this point, if not getting close to, to finishing. But hey, who knows? Because of coronavirus, maybe they had to delay things or I, I, I don't know. 
But at this point, I feel point, like we'd probably have heard if production halted because of it. Yes, and at this yeah. point, um, absolutely, yeah. And at this point, um, we we are basically not quite sure like how these. I mean, obviously, we we, we have an inkling of what they're going to do with it because we know how studios like Sony, is in particular, react. And once they have a success like Into the Spider Verse, they they want to say, "Oh, well, let's just do that in live action," right? So so annoying. It's obviously the implication is that we're doing they're doing some sort of live action Spider Verse thing, whether it's an actual adaptation or something close to the real Spider Verse, or they're just taking that as inspiration for their story. It's tough to say, but at this point, um, we you know we do know a decent amount about this movie, and it's just a matter of like how all of this stuff is going to play in. Are these going to be major elements, right? Are these going to be major plot points? Him going back and potentially interacting with all these old villains and all of the old Spider-Men? Or is it just going to be like a tiny little thing that's maybe a tease for later? That's my biggest question at this point. Yeah. Let me see if I can get my knuckles cracking into this uh, mic as I (laughs) speak. Nope, that didn't work. I heard it. There we go. Okay, look. Do one of those for good measure as well. Mm. <laughs> um, I want, so I just, uh, that's what I got to say about it. Uh, I posted about it on Facebook. Rashad go Taylor, I think you know my friend Rashad. Yeah. He goes, oh, but what if they're just casting him because they like him as the actor and it's got nothing to do with returning to the character? And I said, nope. Well, how do you feel about Jimmy Fox and Electro? And his response was, wait, what? And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, bro. Every, like, no, I haven't seen, save for a few people, I haven't seen a lot of people excited about this news. It's just confirming that they're taking a, like, a, like a dime-sized bag and trying to shove, like, 40 quarters into it. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's ex- I don't know why that was my fucking analogy, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it's it's just like Spider-Man 3, man, of of trilogies past it's like we can't have one nice thing we can't just fucking have a like the ending of a trilogy that we that that we built up and that we're going to get a nice conclusion to you know what i mean it's like we have two films to go off of the last film very simply looked towards craven the hunter we've talked about this at fucking exhaustion on this podcast why do you now just go, you know what? Just bring them all back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated, right? Because I think, you know, ultimately the problem with this movie is that they have to solve is like, how do you undo everybody knowing Pete's secret identity? Right. So obviously Dr. Strange is to the end is the answer to that. But I feel like the, the logic of what's happening here is that they should have just stopped at Dr. Strange but now they're yes. like, well, since we're doing Doctor Strange and we might have some multiverse action in there, like, might as well bring back Jamie Foxx. And, oh, if we're bringing back Jamie Foxx, we have to bring back Alfred Molina. Oh, and if, if we're, we're doing that, back, we may as well bring back Toby and Andrew which is and what they're, Which is yeah. what they're talking about now, of course. So it's turning it, – it feels like this thing that's, like, sc- sort of snowballing out of control a little bit. And maybe mm-hmm. we'll be wrong, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe this will turn out to be a really smart move and it'll be something like Michael Keaton – uh, as the vulture in Morbius or something like that, where it's just <laughs> that movie ever coming Wait, out? What? By the way, oh yeah, the the movie <laughs> that, that got exists? shelved forever. Yeah, um, 
So Look, I, I mean, have no I have no issue with him trying to do this. Yeah. I just don't see it as the end cap for the two films we've gotten so far. There's supposed to be rumored three Tom Holland trilogies, right? Yeah. Make this another make this another point of another trilogy. Why are you ending the two films we have with this cockamamie bullshit? Here's yes, here's Lauren. the only way that this could potentially be okay is if they are Easter egg cameo situations like the poster that we saw in the Morbius trailer. Fair. And and illusions mm-hmm. that this is a possibility, but not main yeah. story characters. Absolutely. You know, or even like um even like maybe I'm if they're sort of jumping it. through time, you know, and we sort of even yeah. like an Avengers Endgame type of thing where it's like, oh, yeah. we see that, you know, they That's what I'm saying. The Little Doc Ock like and, cameos. Exactly. Like that we like maybe they just happen to land like right when Doc Ock and Spidey are having the train fight or one of their battle right. sequences. You know, what it, you could make that work. But I think something that's actually off that point, Lauren, that's really interesting is like if these were larger roles that we're going to play into a significant hefty chunk of the movie, I think we would have heard about this way before production started. Right. So I think that's a good sign, right? The fact that interesting, because sometimes what they do is production starts and then they're like, Oh, we can get Molina for a day or two, you know, to do the cameo. So I think that is like kind of like something that's, that's sort of making it feel maybe it'll work, you know, but, that's funny because I had the opposite thought that we wouldn't hear about it if it wasn't important. That's true. It's like mm-hmm. it's it's it would be more of a surprise for you know what I mean. Like cameo yeah. rules aren't generally fucking announced as breaking news. Yeah. You know well, what I mean, I mean like, this is Spider Man. That's a it's a different story, you know. Um, right. But I mean, like even the Marvel films have surprise cameos every yeah. now and then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. like I I took the breaking news as like, well, fuck. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I would I would be fine with it if he's jumping through a Doctor Strange portal and he's like, hey, that's me fighting a dude with eight arms. And then that's and that's all he yeah. sees of it. Yeah. But I don't see a casting news for something like that. Well, I mean, I think it could be taken both ways. You know what I mean? I think there's definitely like, at least the way it looks now, that it could be a, a not necessarily significant role, but a larger role as opposed to just a cameo. So you know, right. really, it's 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 really tough to say at this point. Um, I just at think this that, point, does it take away our possibilities of a Craven the Hunter storyline, or are we going to see a interdimensional time jumping? Craven the Hunter. I could see that being a little bit more of a possibility, or even Mm -hmm. if maybe Craven is jumping to these alternate dimensions where maybe he's trying to kill all the Spider-Men, you know, for all we know, like the alternate Mm -hmm. versions of them. So, you know, again, I could see something like that working where maybe that's Tyven. (laughs) Craven is tied into the plot in that way that that makes it necessary to visit these locations or, you know, have these. So maybe Craven is the one that's, Maybe. Uh, seeing these villains and not actually I Tom. Mean, I think that, cool. that could be a possibility, especially because this version of Spidey has proven that they're not like they're not afraid to like make alterations to the lore of a character or yeah. you know the way that they sort of mm-hmm. end up in live action. Like uh, Mysterio is a great example of that. Uh, Vulture is kind of the same, but modernized in a way that's interesting. But like. A, a perfect example is like a character like the Tinkerer, right? Yeah. 
um, where it's like this sort of like different version than we've sort of seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, which ironically enough, like Tinkerer is the main villain in um, Miles Morales. And yeah. so that's that's kind of been tapped already. You know what I mean? They got to find somebody else. So point being is that um, I think there's some possibility here, but I'm still very apprehensive because as we've established in the past with all our discussions on Sony Spider-Man related stuff, like Sony has just fucked up too many times for any for us to not be skeptical, you know? Yeah. Oh, I don't trust them at all. Yeah. Um. So we don't know who the lead villain of this movie is. We don't. As of yet. No. Yeah, here's the thing. The more I think, <laughs> I'm so torn as a Spider-Man fan, obviously, right? I've expressed my thoughts, and I think this is too much for one movie. I think they should save it, so on and so forth. But if they're going for a Sinister Six ending, of course I want Alfred Molina to be Doc Ock in the Sinister Six, right? It's like, it's so hard to hate That's it. That's why I'm wondering if it is... Sorry, I just totally interrupted you. No, it's fine. Um, If it is, maybe it's maybe it's Craven, the one who's hopping, and he's recruiting these people from the other timelines. If that's the way it goes, that would be super fucking cool. Um, there's yeah. been no news about Craven at all whatsoever. You, you know what I mean? So it's like that's just us hopefully yeah. grasping at straws. Um, if that's how it turns out to be, I'll be happier. Um, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess the point is though. Is oh, hold on one second. Hi, Hi Bear. Bear. Yeah, I know my dog's barking. <laughs> uh, uh, she loves to. To make a make a noise there. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the point is though is that uh, oh, there she is again. Um, is that uh, you know, the mailman you can, must you be there. Yeah. Um, maybe it might be. She barks way harder at the mailman. She like barks at the mailman <laughs> like she wants to just rip his freaking face off. It's like, <laughs> it's like snarling and shit. Um, you know, some podcasts end with their cat meowing. Yeah, we, we have a we bear got, cameo got bear at some cameo. point. It yeah. is oh, what yeah. it is. Sometimes it doesn't come up, actually. Like, I'm hearing it in real time, but when we actually release the episode, the, the you don't hear it sometimes. It's kind of funny. But uh, point being is there's some potential there to do some interesting things, but it's a slippery slope, and it's a rocky path. You know what I mean? If you decide to go back to certain things. Um, I think especially mm-hmm. with Electro, you know, a character like Electro that um, wasn't necessarily... Um, loved by fans let's put it that way <laughs> what? um but then you have you know you you have the counterpoint of that you have like doc ock alfred molina's doc ock which is arguably the best spider-man villain on film at this point um yeah so mm. you know willem dafoe i, I think yeah a, yeah is a good second okay what about this what about this theory okay we're all assuming it's multiverse because dr strange is in the movie right mm-hmm. that's what we are 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 assuming yeah. with the multiverse of madness with WandaVision. Mm-hmm. What if it's just an alternate universe situation where Alfred Molina does exist as Dr. Otto Octavius in Tom Holland's New York yeah. and he also becomes Dr. Octopus, you know what I mean? Like what if yeah. it's not a jumping time streams scenario what if it's just these people exist across all of new york in all different alternate universes and in this one tom holland's peter parker gets bit by the spider that would be really interesting where it's almost just like one alternate reality right right exactly 
it's not like this huge multiverse jumping experience is just like these people exist in this universe as well and they're also these bad guys yeah there's just no there's no acknowledgement that they also have interacted with others in other universes right i think the odds of that Maybe. are pretty slim but yeah, yeah. we'll see we'll I feel see. like that's not fancy enough or messy enough for sony <laughs> definitely not it's like that weird gray area <laughs> um yeah no totally so yeah. this should be interesting i mean obviously like um i think this movie slated for 2022 or is it 2021 i can't remember um I don't know, but at this uh, point, I don't think waiting. we know anymore yet with everything being pushed. <laughs> like, I don't true. think we've gotten like, a new release schedule. Mm-hmm, that's right. I don't think that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, point being is that, you know, we'll, we'll definitely learn more. We'll probably get hopefully a trailer. Um, I would say within like the first half of, of next year, we should probably see something I would imagine. Um, and it's only a matter of time until that casting news of Toby and Andrew drops everybody just fucking wait for it i mean it's been it's been hinted at you know like i said the um the collider article which actually wasn't the exclusive i thought it wasn't but that what they hinted at uh, jeff snyder on that was basically like you know the insider jeff snyder yeah exactly <laughs> uh, the, the schmodown legend uh, the jeff team's snyder. tournament winner of 2020 yeah <laughs> of the odd couple jeff snyder <laughs> exactly um yeah and they're the basically he's the one who suggests like toby and and um oh yeah see it says Andrew. emma stone is also in talks to return as gwen stacy so we're Jesus talking about the Christ. full gamut of supporting players you know who have been in these movies before there's just no way that that could be good you know, like i'm i'm trying to imagine all of these people in one two-hour movie and it's just not good well so here's the thing about emma stone returning as gwen stacy like that character in canon has died so if she's returning, right. then it either takes place before she's well, died. So has, or so has Dr. Alternate. Octopus. Exactly. And so it's, or it's an alternate universe. Exactly. So that, well, just... here's the thing about time jumping is you could pick them out of any time period. You yeah. Want, right. Yeah. So like my whole, my whole issue with the Doc Ock thing is like, he redeems himself at the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. He like realizes the error of his ways and he mm-hmm. takes the fucking sun thing down into the river yeah. with him to save the yeah. city. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would have to pull out, and here's the thing: he's not a bad guy at the beginning of that movie either. Like he no. be, he like fully becomes a villain and redeems himself in that two hours. Yeah. yeah. So you have to literally pluck out a one hour chunk of Doctor Octopus to make him the bad guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like the same yeah. thing with Gwen Stacy. Just because she's dead, that doesn't mean you can't pluck her out just before she. Look, Peter didn't save her, so you know yeah. Doctor Strange is just gonna pluck her right before she hits totally. her head. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It, it almost confirms like something uh, like that is happening if that's the case. So I'm just so frustrated at everything <laughs> because it's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. And see, I don't dang, want it to be bad. This is, this is crazy, dude. It says Garfield is a done deal, meaning he's already signed while McGuire is in talks. Who says that? Uh, Snyder? Uh, well, no, that's what uh, the Slash film article, but uh, via Collider. Um, is uh. is saying so that's yes it's what Collider said it's just a paraphrase yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so Dunst <laughs> is also a done deal they say too um so that's kind of crazy like to get Kirsten Dunst but you you haven't confirmed Toby Maguire like what 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 kind of logic is that it's Why? Sony logic yeah Why? look okay yep <laughs> one movie too much okay I could see. <laughs> 
I could see this being a, a fucking trilogy. You know what I mean? Like he meets Andrew Garfield and they both kind of suck as fucking Spider-Man. And, you know, they like go through the first two movies, like not really knowing what to do. And then the third movie, fucking Toby comes back and he's like, I'm fucking Spider-Man. And then, you know, he like saves them all. It's like, this is a fucking trilogy of films. This isn't like, oh, let's put this in the last movie of a story we've already built. Um, but, but, but fuck the story we've already built. We're doing this yeah. new thing now. Yeah. Damn, that's just crazy, dude. They're, they're, they're packing a lot in here, man. That's, I think, the biggest concern, like you guys said, is just exactly. like... That is obviously the biggest concern. <laughs> I know, it's just like... it's. Welcome this, to our side, No, 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 Taylor. obviously, like, but I'm just saying, like, after considering, like, all the possibilities, like, that is still a fucking issue, you know? Like, no matter how you try to explain this, like, in story, it's just this like... Just I did. just did. Topher Grace, back as Venom. Thomas Hayden Church, back as fucking... Dude, like, they should get Tom Hardy as Venom in this movie, and I would be oh, fucking stoked. Way more stoked than I would be <laughs> over any of those other people. <laughs> okay, the only way I would be okay with this happening is if they also threw in Deadpool commenting on how stupid it is the whole time. Right. I'd be down with that. Yeah, and, and obviously, like, that's the initial implication is that this is overcrowded. But just even reading this article and, like, oh, they're getting this person, they're getting that person, and it's like, where does it end? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Like, a great tweet was if every if if every threat is an avengers level threat none of them are yep exactly <laughs> this need we need friendly neighborhood spider-man or it's not like every yeah. film can't be the end of the fucking world you know it's like yeah. and obviously a multiverse threat is going to be an like a global threat you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. like it's just frustrating man he's the yeah. friendly neighborhood spider-man he's not fucking God, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think my favorite tweet that we found so far was, is Tom Holland even in the movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With all the casting news, where's Tom Holland? Yeah. Tom Holland's a supporting character in his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, but enough well, about anyway. the Uncharted movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you guys know that that finished filming too, right? So that movie I is did. actually yeah. a reality now. I cannot believe it. They've been talking about making it for fucking 15 years at this point. Yeah. yeah, at least it's not fucking. Um, what was it? David O. Russell supposed to direct that at some point? I believe so. I think so. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, he was. He was, and I think that's where Mark Wahlberg came into exactly. Board the project. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yep. All right. Well, we should. Uh, we should anyway. Probably, yeah, probably move on from this. We're hey, about guess what? Right now, that wasn't a three-hour rant about Spider-Man for See? once. I, I mean, I can keep and talking about it. And, and it's not our main topic. I know, we have right? another I keep, main topic. I can keep talking about it. No, no, no. We have no, a more important no. main talk topic. <laughs> Are you sure? Um, because I can go into a really deep dive of like the similarities between how we could do Spider-Man 3 to Enter the Spider-Verse, how Tobey Maguire could be Peter B. Parker. Or, I, I, or we could talk about how another studio is. All right, fine. <laughs> throwing a wrench into everything. Joel's just going to give right, a three-hour dissertation choices. on the Spidey comics. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Good. to Film one or, uh, Comics 101. <laughs> I'll get Koi on and we'll just go for hours. Add that to the list of podcast spinoffs, Joel. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so jumping to our main topic, um, it's actually kind of a big one. And, you know, there's there's obviously a lot to unpack with this, but... Uh, when when did this drop? Was it late last week or early this week? I can't even remember. I think it was. It was uh, I was in Lancaster when you sent yeah. it to us, so it was like Thursday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was late last week, and uh, basically we learned that 
um, is kind of a huge bombshell to like a earth shattering film industry bombshell. Let's put it that way. Um, that Warner Brothers plans to release their entire slate on HBO Max next year, day and date with the movie theaters. So the Insane. same day it comes out in theaters, it's going to be streaming on HBO Max for 30 days. Um, so this is kind of crazy. Uh, to give a little context, we uh, about a week or so, I'd say, before that, we learned that Wonder Woman was going to be doing the same thing. It was going to be still keeping its release date of December 25th, day and date on HBO Max. Um, and that way, you know, uh, they could sort of release the movie to a certain extent and still try not to essentially force people to go to theaters like Warner Brothers yeah. tried to do with, with Tenet. Um, <laughs> and I think that movie, there's a lot to unpack about how the release of that movie ultimately did this decision i wouldn't say it definitely affected it i wouldn't say it was the singular factor that that made them go this route sure but i but think it, it, it was, definitely played a part absolutely and so you know a week after we hear that specifically wonder woman is is going to uh directly to streaming on hbo max they dropped this bombshell so what are your guys's initial thoughts about this news before we talk about that, can we throw in the Christopher Nolan stuff? Because I think it ties into oh, yeah. my entire thoughts about it. Well, um, basically, after this news came out, uh, Christopher Nolan, I believe yesterday, um, uh, basically said something in response. Um, he says... Uh, Essentially, this is his, his quote. Uh, Some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and then woke up to find out they were working for the worst streaming service. Savage. Freaking shots fired right there. Okay? And then he says, uh, Warner Brothers had, had, not has, had an incredible machine for getting filmmakers work out everywhere, both in theaters and at home, and they are dismantling it as we speak. They don't even understand what they're losing. Their decision makes no economic sense. And even the most casual Wall Street investor can see the, di uh, the difference between disruption and dysfunction. And with just mm. those quotes alone, I mean, major shots fired. Um, yeah. You know, Warner, Nolan is arguably uh, Warner Brothers' biggest, most important talent. And, you know, this This is also, you have to remember, Warner Brothers is, for years, has been known as a studio that is a talent-friendly studio. Like, they really mm -hmm. cater to the people they want to work with, and they really uh, try to ensure that those people are happy so that they keep having that uh, working relationship together. So, you know, um, I don't know, like, if that answered, if that gave enough context to what you were looking for, Joel. Obviously, there's yes, more. Yes, it did. There's way more to... Um, <laughs> to unpack uh, in this article about what Nolan said. But uh, yeah, what, what are your thoughts then in that regard? I just think Christopher Nolan is so used to everybody sucking his dick <laughs> and uh, he's mad <laughs> that they're not doing it anymore. You know, it's like how many times did he get tenant pushed? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Solely based on I'm fucking Christopher Nolan mm -hmm. and they, you know, <laughs> and they did it just for him. And it's like most of these other people don't, care like he does they've been paid for the movie that they worked on right people just want to see it they just want it to be released you know what i mean it's like it doesn't matter to all the below the line crew of kong versus godzilla where the fuck people watch it 
Yeah. Like I think Christopher Nolan might be the only one who gives a shit. Do I like going to the movie theater? Of course. Would I rather see Endgame on the big screen? Yes. So if I get the opportunity to see Dune on the big screen, I probably will. Yeah. But Godzilla versus Kong, fine to watch it at my house. You know, Wonder Woman 1984, fine with watching that on my couch. There's a, there are a bunch of movies I would be fine with watching them at home. Yeah. And I think Christopher Nolan might be the only one that is like having a conniption fit about it. Well, there's a lot of nuance to to what's going on in terms of like the actual people that make these movies. And I definitely want to dig into that. But um, Lauren, what um, what are your thoughts with that said? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I personally, I I get why they did it because of the current state of the world but i worry about the long-term implications that it will have as uh on the movie going experience which you know you you sent us a tweet um that basically said like get over it like Mm. it's just a building yeah um and i like to a certain extent i agree with that uh the further um statement in that tweet that like the cinematic experience has not been top quality for a long time Mm -hmm. and that is very unfortunate um but i but i do think that having a cinematic release and that experience is kind of the 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 cinematic experience is not the art form sure but it is the final piece to the art form absolutely and without the audience you don't have the art form right because that's what it's ultimately about so i agree and i just thought it was interesting that i would send that to you guys because that was really and and so that's greg beck he's the guy who um who wrote uh quiet place co-wrote that and like a bunch of other uh, oh wow uh, screenplays and i just go ahead sorry it just gets to me it's like if you take away the cinematic experience, what is the delineation then between making movies and making television? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which I both are valid art forms, but mm-hmm. it's, you know. Yeah. Well, let me requalify what I just said about like, I'm just talking about like 2021. You know what I mean? Like, I understand why they're sure. doing it. So I'm not mad about it. You know, like, if I could watch some of those movies in theaters, I would. It's it's just it's fucking one year. Like people can, like Christopher Nolan is losing his shit over one year mm-hmm. of like he just needs to. I think he's just fucking chill. Like yeah. if he doesn't think that once everything is over with, pandemic wise, people won't go back to the theaters. Like yeah. he's extremely short sighted. Yeah, like he's I mean, mad about one year. <laughs> the thing is, though, if you if you put that. This this release situation with what we already know as far as the failing movie theater industry right now because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I just think that it's going to eliminate any any of them from trying to get back, like yeah. any any movie theaters to try to get back up and going mm-hmm. if. If but what if that's a good studios thing? Studios are just going straight to Regal and AMC are over bloated relics of a time period that just that could give new theater chains a chance. Can you imagine a new theater chain trying to pop up in Los Angeles and compete with the ones we have now? Like they right. would, they would lose. Like well, and this I, could be a new chance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where places like Alamo Draft House and the new Bev and these like sort of specialized cinematic cinema going experiences if you will 
um, will definitely obviously still be around. So just to to add a little context to everything you guys are saying, right? I think one of the biggest problems with announcing this in the way that they did is a they didn't tell anybody they were doing it. None of yeah. their par- none of their partners, none of their talent, nobody. And that's part of the reason why Chris Nolan and a lot of other people like James Gunn, John Chu's really pissed. Um, a lot of these people are really, really upset because they specifically made these movies to go to cinemas, right? If you're making right. for something, if you're making something for streaming, it's it's the same methodology in directing, but you're also sort of uh, creating something that's meant to be exhibited differently than when mm-hmm. you actually created it. So there's that, right? And then there's also this idea of Warner Brothers just saying, "Well, fuck it, the whole year is is it, we're just going to call the whole year right now in terms of theaters and and." And I think part of the problem with that is that once you let the genie out of the bottle, it's really, really hard to put it back in, right? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. And so I think that goes to what to what you were speaking to. But you also they're not going to get the numbers they want out of this year going to HBO Max. So no, well, like, and the the really fucking weird part is like studio accounting is always really wishy washy. You know, there's like a yeah. lot of like. <laughs> very um let's just call it uh i don't even questionable questionable counting decisions that get made but the weird thing about this is what this entails by going to hbo max is basically uh hbo max is going to be paying at&t its parent company for the rights to the stream the movie on hbo max so basically warner brothers is paying itself to stream the movie on their service right of course. And so that's that's very um very problematic in that regard. And then you have the whole reaction to all of this, which is like when this news dropped, there was like that whole subset of people where it was like, well, well, theaters are dead. You know what I mean? Like cinemas, cinemas died. And see, I did that on purpose because I was trying to to get method on how these people are <laughs> acting. You know. Um, I also appreciated how you turned into Borat there. For well, yeah, it's, it's cinema. <laughs> Cinema Very nice. dead. Cinema dead. My Very movie. Nice. Yeah. My movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, gosh. That would be funny. Um, if the third <laughs> Borat movie is just like him trying to make a movie about pro- like that he wants to project in the dead movie theater. Oh, man. That would be brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. And so you have you have this this group of people who are like, oh, cinema's dead. And it's like, well, no. Right. Because the whole point of day and date is that someone gets to choose what they want to how they want to ingest that content right yeah um and you also have to remember that other i think a lot of things like a lot of those gut reactions like were very telling to me about people that don't know anything about the the film industry because the thing you have to realize is that just because the u.s is not doing well in terms of containing corona and also the theater going experience at this moment like not many theaters are open you know i can pretty much guarantee you that in other parts of the world they're doing much better right there are a lot of countries where theaters are open people have gone back to normal they've been able to keep the virus under control and honestly the theatrical market has been uh, excuse me the international theatrical market has been a big chunk of movies box office for the last like 20 or 30 years anyways right as it is right now, about 70%, 60 to 70% of a movie's grosses come from international territories, whereas the rest is domestic. So, yes, domestic is important, but by doing this, they're serving the domestic audience, which can't go to a theater, and also projecting it and displaying it in uh, certain international territories where theaters are open. 
you know, and I think a lot of people are are not necessarily thinking about it in that way where it's right. like, again, it's, it's, it's based on, and I think this is a total like sort of tangent, but I think that Chris, the biggest problem with Chris Nolan's approach to release, uh, releasing a movie in the pandemic is that he assumes people are willing to put their lives on the line to go see a fucking movie. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that is what Warner brothers, at least right now has tried to do with this, but then, sorry, and I'm going to just try to cap my thoughts at least for now at this. And then you have the whole idea of like, well, if Warner brothers was, if this was only a short term thing, which they're claiming it is, they're only claiming it's saying it's only for 2021. This was a short term thing. Why would, Warner Brothers say, oh, it's just the whole year. Why wouldn't they just take it release by release until, you know, things could get better? And they say, okay, well, uh, Dune can get released in theaters now. You well, know? no, I'm sure well, they especially... have I'm sure they have projections of when people are supposed to be able to go back. Yes. Well, I'm just, but we also just today had the first vaccine given to a member All right. of the public. Mm-hmm. We get it. You live in the UK now. You guys <laughs> got the vaccine first. You're way you gotta cooler fucking rub us. it in. Yeah. No, but but point but point being, I'm is just that, saying they announced this right as as the news of the vo- of the vaccine being released well, came. So it's like they're not even giving a chance. Exactly, and I think that uh, uh, what I'm seeing from a lot of people is that they're feeling like this is very very disingenuous in terms of like, oh, this is a temporary thing. Like a lot of people are seeing it to where like if you were if you saw this as a temporary thing then you wouldn't be handling it this way. Like a lot of people are saying like, well, I'm calling bull- bullshit on Warners and like, this is their plan for the future moving forward. You know, it's, but you're not, the thing is, is you're not eliminating theaters. Again, you're giving people the options. So that's where I think it gets a little muddy, but um, yeah, I just think that's, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see whether Warner brothers like sticks to this model or whether they're just fucking calling people's bluffs, you know, um, it's, on that. I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd really have to start getting into, like, fucking epidemiology and, like, start talking about fucking the virus and mm-hmm. the vaccine itself to, yeah. like, really talk about the rest of this. Yeah. Because I think, like, yes, you guys in the UK got the first doses of the vaccine today. You know, they're calling it V-Day, and it's like, V-day. but our friend Rachel, <laughs> she posted that the New York Times was like, if you input your age and where you live and what you do, you can see like how far down on a list you are of like theoretically being able to get the vaccine. And it's like, I was like 3 million people be- you know, behind and that amount of vaccine doesn't even exist right now, you know? So like yeah. people are starting to get the vaccine. I do not think everyone's going to be vaccinated by the end of next year. No. So I think no. Warner Brothers is playing it safe on their money mm-hmm. as opposed to like, well, everything's going to be fine by next December. Yeah. Which it's probably not. Totally. It's a, yeah. There are so many people, old people, hospital workers, you know, like pe- pro- probably people in the army. Like there are so many people who are going to get this vaccine before the people who are going to go down the street to the grimy ass fucking AMC Burbank mm-hmm. to see a movie. Yeah, totally. Um, well, and and I think that that's a good point you make, Joel, and I think the biggest the biggest concern is that like if this is actually if if this is actually a profitable model for Warner's in any way, like what's going to stop them from just mm. continuing and 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 not right. going back, right? So you have Fair. to trust the company, but that's where I think people like get a little bit skeptical and it's like, well, 
Are I don't think really... it will be profitable is, is I guess no. where I'm yeah. coming from is no. I don't think it will be. And they'll go right back to a regular model in 2022. Well, yeah. And that's assuming that things get better by 2022. But again, as right. tenant proved, you can't adapt the old model of how movies released in a time like this. You know what I mean? So I think it's obviously. I don't like... care how many loud wombs yeah. Christopher <laughs> Nolan puts in a movie. I'm watching tenant right now on my TV as opposed to going to a fucking movie theater in San oh, yeah. Diego to watch it. Yeah, it's and, like, the, and the best, part... I know John Rocco drove all the way down there to see it. I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, the, the best part about being going to be, that's going to be about watching tenant at home is I can watch it with subtitles and actually understand what the characters are saying and what the plot of the movie. <laughs> exactly. Is. So, well, exactly. that'll be a fun one. You know, it'll take two viewings, one with subtitles and one without or vice versa. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, this, you know, this doesn't really, this, this conversation gets into the more of those, uh, epidemiological, um, elements right. of things, but let's turn to like the talent, right. And the actual money aspect of this, right. So one thing I found really interesting is that this is kind of an unprecedented move because it's like, not only are you talking about like grosses and how they're actually going to make their money back, but you also have back end deals with a lot of these yeah. talent and mm -hmm. and actors and directors that need to be be fulfilled now, right? Because it's like, for instance, with um, with Wonder Woman in the article here at Hollywood Reporter, the, the the that talks about Nolan and everything, all the fallout that's happened as a result. Um, they basically talk about how uh, uh, to go to to cut that deal for Wonder Woman 1984 to go directly to streaming. They basically had to give huge payouts of what their back end percentages would have been to people like Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, oh, yeah. and assuming probably Chris Pine as well. Um, and that was a big chunk of money, right? With this, they didn't do any of that shit with all their other filmmakers like James Gunn and John Shu wow. and this and that. So right now, basically, what you're looking at is Warner Brothers is is Everybody's trying to figure out how this is going to work monetarily, right? Because, like I said, the studio bookkeeping is already messy as shit. What happens when you take out that element of theatrical distribution and and the box office grosses that are reported and and this and that, you know? And it makes that way more murky than it already was, um, you know. And so, with that not happening, I could, I mean, they even talk about it. I I would not be surprised if Warner Brothers gets sued over this. Um, they were talking about Legendary, who produced Godzilla vs. Kong, and I think they said they put in 75% of the budget, which I believe it's about a $175, $200 million movie. Mm -hmm. They basically were like, yo, we're going to sue. We're, we're thinking about suing um, suing Warners because we had certain deals in place. Like One of the tidbits they dropped is that Netflix actually offered to buy Godzilla vs. Kong for $225 million, oh, and wow. Warners and Warners said no because oh we want to we want it to go theatrical and well now it's going to streaming and theatrical day and date and legendary's fucking pissed about it wow. because they're missing out on all that potential money that could have been made so that's what i'm saying it gets the way i understand the business decision but i think the way they handled it actually executing that decision was very very haphazard mm -hmm. oh yeah i mean the fact that you could have had that netflix money and like mm -hmm. And that's that's like straight up like you don't have to wait for box office returns like, uh you know, 15 million on this weekend and 20 million on this weekend. And eventually like that's just straight up cash payment. You know, your investment is boom, it's done. Yeah. So there's a lot of really interesting things um, that are happening in terms of this move. And, you know, a lot of people like Nolan, they said, like, basically, this is a way for them to try to bolster 
HBO Max, which really hasn't had the best year. I think it says in the article they have about eight or nine million subscribers somewhere in between there, um, which is nothing compared to Disney Plus. Um, and they also don't have the service on on Hulu or uh, not Hulu, um, Roku yet, Roku, which yeah. is a lot mm-hmm. of people are bitching about. Even I kind of bitch about it, although I can, I'm bitching about it right now. Although <laughs> I can do it on my PlayStation, so I'm not I'm not really complaining that much. Oh, you can? Oh, I yeah, can just put it H- on my PlayStation. Yeah, right. HBO Max mm-hmm. on the PlayStation and Xbox, which is hilarious though that they're on those platforms right. but not on Roku. Yeah. So, but it also hasn't gone international yet, has it? Uh, HBO Max. I don't believe so. No. Right. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, I don't think actually, it has. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Um, and that actually kind of makes more because sense. Because that's though. that that's the whole thing with. I'm sorry to bring it up the Snyder cut and what Snyder was saying about like Who? international fans like we're we're working on. Oh yeah, yeah how to get it to you yeah, when yeah. it was announced for HBO Max. Yeah. So. I got a really funny comment about the Snyder cut on my YouTube video. Yeah. Let's hear do you guys it. want to hear it? Tangent time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we uh, really do need a tangent sound effect. I know, right? I just get a soundboard. <laughs> you know the real reason Snyder added Hallelujah again? He actually gave his reason for it, and his reason was that it was very personal to him and that his daughter loved that song <laughs> and that the song was played at his daughter's funeral. Oh, and did you know that even though Snyder is credited as the director for Justice League 2017, that there's little to no footage of his own? We didn't have way more footage than Snyder in JL 2017. That's so true. Joss Whedon, Joff Johns, and John Berg at, w- at WB ruined JL 2017 and slapped Snyder's name as the director, even though his vision wasn't even close to JL 2017. So, dot, yeah. dot, dot. Schneider isn't even to blame for JL 2017. Yeah. Uh, was it Snyder's son that died? No, it was daughter. No, it was his oh, okay. daughter. But I highly oh, doubt that that was her favorite song and that it played at her funeral. Yeah, and if, and uh, if it did play it at her funeral, I, I wonder who picked it. the song for it to be played. Yeah. My response was, did you know that I've hated Snyder for way longer than three years? And did you know that I don't give a fuck about who ruined Justice League? Yeah, like you didn't. I, right. I, it's it's like you didn't watch the video. Yeah, no, he just went in there, <laughs> wanted to spout his like beliefs, yeah. and then like, okay, I'm out. The video um, I made was about how much I hate Zack Snyder. I don't give a fuck about who ruined the Justice League. Yeah, well, it's just funny because like I love how these, I love how the argument jumping back to the HBO Max element of it. I love how the argument for people getting the movie made is like, oh, this movie's gonna drive tons of new subscribers to the service. Like, this is gonna be a huge you know, uh, marketing tool for HBO Max and this and that. And then it's like, well, not anymore. Not with fucking Godzilla versus Kong in the Heights, Dune, um, the, the Tom and Jerry movie, the live action Tom and Jerry movie. Matrix, they're doing. 4. Matrix 4, which is probably the biggest, I would say, out of out of all the movies they have next year. I mean, that is going to be insane watching the, Maz- the Matrix 4 as it comes out on HBO Max, day and date with theaters like. I mean, I'm not wild. going to get my own HBO Max account to watch these movies. So it's like, Mm-mm. I don't see how it's going. If they expect it to drive their numbers up immensely, they don't know millennials. Well, and 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 so, yes. But it's the funny thing is, is that Chris, like going jumping back to the Christopher Nolan quote, he's like, oh, they woke up wor- working for the worst streaming service. Well, actually, I beg to differ. I would argue that the interface for HBO Max is actually like pretty shitty. They should have done a better job of that. But in terms of the content library... 
HBO Max is one of the best ser- streaming services. I, I need Maybe. you to send me some stuff to watch then because I think it's atrocious. Oh, there, there's so much stuff on there, dude. You just got to look for it. You have to go to the different hubs, right? So they have an HBO hub. They have a Cartoon Network hub, blah, 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 you know, so on and so forth. And um, yeah, I mean, there's some great stuff, dude. Uh, just a quick example of something that not many people are talking about on that streaming service. Harley Quinn, the animated series. That shit is brilliant. If you guys haven't mm-hmm. watched it, it's really, really good. Um, I'm still making my way through it, but point being is um, jumping back to what we were talking about is that um, so like, for instance, like I mentioned John Chu, you know, like John Chu was basically like really, really pissed. Um, And like it says here, according to a source, uh, Toby Emmerich, the head of Warner Brothers Studio, uh, tried to soothe in the Heights director, John M. Chu, by pointing out that the movie was still getting a quote unquote global theatrical release. But it says here, industry insiders um, say the studio is pretending that pirates won't uh, like won't pounce as soon as these movies are released on HBO back on HBO Max. So, one hundred percent. Basically, what you're doing is you're releasing a high quality version of the movie for people to basically rip at as soon as it's yeah. released. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so that's another like concern for a lot of these these uh, creatives and filmmakers that the studios involved with, you know. And they're saying like, you know, this is a really important time for essentially Warner Brothers to make things right in terms of compensating these people on their back-end deals and this and that and all the stuff that they were promised, you know? Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Is it permanent or is it because of the pandemic? I think it's actually because of the pandemic, but the problem is is that it has the potential to become permanent if certain things go certain ways. That's that's my my thought on it. And that's why I'm a little bit skeptical in terms of the way they're treating these people because... You know, they're they they basically went in the studios and the the talent relations and the, and and the exhibitors all had a handshake agreement for years and years and decades and decades that this is the way that things were done to be done, right? And then Warner Brothers went into that temple, took a shit right in the middle of it, and then walked out as if nothing had changed. You know, yeah. Um, and so I think that's for a lot of people. That's the way they 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 feel like, um, almost um. <sighs> just sort of it's like a slap in the face you know what i mean so if amc yeah. and regal go under we got the three of us need to invest in a in a movie theater company totally yeah um nice. yeah i mean for me it just kind of uh, you know pairing it with all the stuff that has gone on in the last really this year i think of you know that originally the theatrical release date shortening mm. a couple mm-hmm. months back and then now it's just gone like it's just it's all happening really in really quick succession that like you were saying, Taylor, those, those agreements that have been in place for the benefit of everyone other than the studios is, is getting thrown out the window now Mm -hmm. um, in very quick succession. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, what's frightening. Well, I understand the logic of, of the pandemic coming into play. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's terrifying for future past pandemic, yeah. in my opinion. Absolutely. And and I think the next like logical question that I have for you guys is like, what happens next? You know what I mean? Like, do you think other studios will follow suit or do you think maybe they'll sit back and say, well, we're going to let Warner Brothers test this out for us. And then if the model works, then we can sort of maybe adapt to that. Yeah, I think. I think the only way they will follow suit would be more individual releases. 
Yeah, almost yeah. as they come up. Almost kind of like what Disney's done, right? Where it's like yeah. certain things have gone to stream, like Hamilton and Artemis Fowl were originally supposed to be theatrical, and they just said, "Well, we're just going to put that on the service." But movies like Black Widow or you know these bigger event movies still are waiting to be. Yeah, seen. Yeah, where's Black people. Widow at? Come on, Disney. I know, right? <laughs> Wouldn't it be? Funny? It makes more sense for them to watch what happens than let the entire industry collapse at once. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if Warner yeah. Brothers collapses, there's still other people to be like, "Oh, that was sad." Anyway. Um, but if it all happens at the same time, then it's like, well, yeah, well, yeah. And then, you know, something, something that the article also mentions here too, that I find really interesting is like, okay, so, you know, they, they give the example of a movie like Joker, right? So Joker Mm. was a movie that was made for about 50 million and basically the studio low balled Todd Phillips on the budget thinking that he wouldn't do it for a certain amount. And Todd Phillips said, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to do it. Right. And so he makes the movie, and it ends up being kind of a global phenomenon. I mean, regardless of how you feel about the quality, that movie made over a billion dollars at the box office. Like, yeah, it was a success, you know, especially off what it cost to make. But at the end of the day, without the traditional theatrical experience, that movie would have would have it would have never been made in this like sort of circumstance, or at least been right. released in that way in this circumstance, right? If this movie had come out this year, uh, Joker, that is. It, the reaction to it would have been very different, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's it's not only the big movies this is affecting, but kind of the mid-budget stuff as well, too, which I find really fascinating because ultimately I think if, if this ends up going through and the theatrical experience is diminished somehow and there's a lot more streaming in terms of stuff just going directly there, I actually think we're going to see a big return of the like the mid-budget. Um, Do all movies become lifetime movies? Well, no, but I'm ta- we're talking like 30 to 60 million type things. You know, you'll have a couple probably that are, you know, one or 200 million dollar range. But for the most part, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more movies like that, especially because um, you can actually make your money back. You know, with Taylor, is this where footage films shines and they make yeah. their glorious comeback? Oh, yeah. Well, they're still they're still chugging along as far as I'm aware um and me chugging along in mediocrity um but hey i guess i'm not really one to talk so um but yeah i just you know again i find all the stuff that's happening right now is really really fascinating we're we're we're, we're basically witnessing a, a whole paradigm shift um in the industry and uh, like obviously this whole year has been leading up to it and we've been sort of keeping tabs on it um jumping back to nolan though i want to get your guys's thoughts um, especially yours, Lauren, because I don't know if we really got to hear from you on it. Um, in terms of like how Nolan's uh, the release of of Tenant like played into this, because I think ultimately that's like kind of like the last big movie that's going to be released for a while in theaters. How many months did he yeah. push before you answer that? How many how many months did he get them to push it before? It's like um, I think they pushed it, was it. Supposed to come out in July originally, and it came out in yeah. August, September. Oh, September. September. You're right. Yeah. So came out right before I left. Oh, okay. Wow. I thought it was a lot longer of a push than that. Yeah. No. No, it was only a couple months. Yeah. What they should have done is sorry. I'm, I'm gonna let you talk here in a second, Lori. But I was like, what I should have, what they should have done is um, just like pushed it to next year entirely. You know. Yeah, that's and I think that's what we said when we first started talking about all that um especially because he has his july whatever um superstition or or whatever his tradition um yeah tradition that's a better term (laughs) sorry it's late here so my brain is losing words fast um no i definitely i definitely wouldn't be surprised if that had 
uh, a decent impact on this decision. Um, just because obviously at the time that it came out and the way they released it didn't give the opportunity for a lot of people to see it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, like you're, you're joking about not going down to San Diego to see it. There are drive throughs drive throughs drive-ins mm-hmm. closer to where you are, mm-hmm. where I was. Um, where we that, saw New Mutants. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, New Mutants, we saw not far from Taylor's house. It was a little bit of a drive for Joel and I, but it yeah. wasn't it wasn't uh, impossible. But limiting it as much as they did was a horrible decision as far as any chance of them making any money on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they're keeping same day theatrical release, I guess we'll see. Because people but, could still go see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they probably, though, use that as like, look, we tried, like, we listened to Chris, <laughs> we tried to listen to Chris, and look, it made us no money. Yeah. So, what does it matter? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if any of that just makes no, sense. Totally. No, totally. I think that's 100% okay, makes cool. sense. Yeah, yeah. Good, absolutely. Good, good. And I think that's what makes Christopher Nolan's like comments, like, so, um, just to circle back on this entire conversation, just so, like, it feels a little bit tone deaf. You know what I mean? Yeah. Feels a little tone yeah. deaf in terms of he's not acknowledging like a his own doing and helping to exacerbate the situation. Because I saw somebody post about like, oh, like look, everybody's blaming Chris Nolan, but the real issue is like that Mike Pence and the government and Donald Trump like didn't do anything about this. And like, no fucking shit. But that doesn't change the situation that we're in and the fact that had Nolan done things differently. He could have actually been the savior of cinema that he wanted to be. You know what I oh mean? Oh my god! And that, well, that's that's obviously right, an exaggeration, right, right. but for the sake well, of ease, well, let me ease, ask you this. Well, let me ask you this. So <laughs> Lauren brought up like the drive-ins, right? Like yeah. we did go see the new movies at the at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Some of the picture was not very good, right? We had to listen yeah. to it through the car radio. Yeah. So Nolan's, you know, the memes out there, the way Nolan intended, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think Nolan gives a shit whether you watch it at a drive-in or on your TV? He wants you to watch it on the fucking IMAX screen, right? Yeah. The drive-in screen versus my fucking gigantic HDR television, Mm -hmm. right? And my sound bar versus my car radio. Yep, exactly. Right? So I think he would prefer me to watch it on my TV than the drive-in. But he doesn't care about either of those. He only wants you to watch it in the theater. Exactly. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that like, I think I don't know if you guys remember, but for like a week or two, they were like, oh, it's not going to show it at Tenet. That is, it's not going to show it any drive ins, like only in person theaters. And that, that's like totally a Nolan thing where he's like, no, like the quality yeah. isn't good enough for the drive. Like we can't have it. And Warner's is like, fuck you. We're going to put it wherever we can make <laughs> money because we need to make something off of this, you know. And so that's where it's like that kind of delineation that you're talking about, I think, that we kind of actually saw in implementation that, you know, of how they released it. So, um, you know, I don't I just, I, yeah. Go ahead, Lauren. Sorry. Please. No, no, please, no, please, please, please. I was, I was just going to say, like, yeah, the quality of the drive in is not nearly as good as, as the cinema or probably most of our own televisions or even computers at this rate. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I worry about just the experience of, of, going out to experience mm, movies the communal experience of going to the exactly movies, right? the event yeah. you know it's like 
going out to theater versus streaming it mm-hmm. in my house. Like yeah, the, yeah. drinking at the theater is more acceptable things. than drinking at my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, and I think a perfect. It only depends on the time of day, Joel. Totally, and I think a perfect example of that, and actually the last like sort of experience I think I had like that at least until hopefully things go back to somewhat normal is when we went to see Doctor Sleep. Right, like we met up, yeah. we got some food before, we had drinks. That was a good we day. Bullshit. We went and saw the movie, and then I think we did the podcast right after. If we I'm did, not yeah. Didn't we so drink at like, fucking Applebee's or yeah, Chili's? No, it was Chili's, and then we drank at the movie theater. And oh, then, yeah. of course, we drank when we got back. Um, that, that was, was a, a fun time. episode. <laughs> that was um, a good time. Yeah. That's a very hey, that's a very popular episode of ours. Yeah. It's probably because we were drinking. I, I, everyone go well, check no, that episode out. I think we got to do that format more often when I get back, where we yeah. actually watch everything together mm-hmm. and then... Yep. podcast about it absolutely yeah. that's that's the ideal way it's to do the magic, it you know? was that the one where you had to sit in a different row than us taylor i think so yeah it's well sarah was with us so i think sarah and i yeah, yeah, yeah. sat or maybe not i don't know no no we all sat uh, together oh, okay there was a movie where you and i watched it before we podcasted and you had to sit in a oh, different row than i think I did. that was avengers maybe i don't know maybe no, not. no it was less important than that whatever it doesn't matter but point being is you know we got a lot of cool movies coming on warners this year you know um there's like 17 titles i believe they're releasing yeah party at my house guys come over we'll watch dune we'll watch fucking matrix 4 we'll watch kong versus godzilla i got weed i got beer we'll we'll just hang out at my place it'll be great dude kong versus godzilla seems like the perfect opportunity for a weird a weird like gathering of people just smoking and drinking together like tripping on this like crazy monsters fighting i got some mushroom movies. chocolates in the fucking yeah. freezer if you want to get real <laughs> exactly that's if you want to get like, real crazy Joel, about it. come on you act like i don't know you <laughs> if you want to get real that weird was, that was the implication um, <laughs> or even wonder woman 84 would be would be interesting too. Ooh, all the colors yeah. yeah that 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 would be fun yeah i think that the next movie we'll probably end up reviewing will be well if you can get access i guess Lauren, you need to figure out how to get a VPN. We need to figure that out for you so you, we can get you to watch. This, all the I know there's stuff. a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, I want to. Oh, no, I can't. I don't uh, have Hulu. I know. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do something for that if we can get it. Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman comes yeah. out in like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Dope. I, know we'll definitely I mean, about technically, it. I think. Oh, actually, I don't know. I have to check whatever tier we're at. Yeah. I was going to say, technically, I might be able to go see it in a theater. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know because yeah. we're in tier two. We'll so see. I don't know if that's a legal thing. But yet. also, Soul is coming out on the 25th as well. And yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, yeah. Plus. yeah. 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 Yep. I'm hearing looks, really good things good. about that movie. Like, re- like, we're talking another like up inside out level masterpiece. And of course, it's Pete Doctor. So you know it'll be good. But guys, we didn't talk about the Ahsoka Tano episode of oh. The Mandalorian. No, let's do it. No, we don't have time for that. I thought we were Not doing a, I thought we were doing an end of season Mando wrap up. Yeah, we could, yeah. but that episode was just so ridiculously fucking good. Well, like, just gush, just gush for a minute, Joel. What'd you, what'd you, what, what, what'd you think? I just liked we got Baby Yoda's name, Grogu. We got Ahsoka Tano, who's been a huge character in the EU for just mm-hmm. you know so long. Um, Rosario Dawson just fucking slays it as the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's promise of more Jedi now that she's like, I can't train him send him to this seeing stone someone else will train him and i was talking to lauren about this when you went to go to the bathroom before mm-hmm. we started recording in this time period of like nine aby the only jedi that's around actively looking for other jedi is luke skywalker so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just yeah. we can't talk about it more or i'll go for like seven hours <laughs> 
also um, Taylor isn't caught up on the newest episode. Oh, so right. yeah, no, yeah. We can't good. go into full details. I just think good. it was super but, cool. Like, oh yeah. man, see, I can't, I can't, I can't start talking about it because like <laughs> the Mando's fight versus the one dude was like super Western, and then like Ahsoka's fight versus like uh, the one chick was like really like like uh, like um. Like, like a, a samurai. I was gonna say so it was like yeah, the Japanese styles. kind of like yeah. Kill Bill sort of feel to it. But it was like a spaghetti western. Like the yeah. one side was like yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was like a western and a samurai film all in the same fucking episode, and it was so good. Yeah. Also, Michael Bean for the win, just making yeah. an awesome ah, cameo so out of nowhere in the Mando. <laughs> So the whole thing was so good. Taylor, you need to watch the Boba episode because yeah, that's even... It's the best episode by far. I know. It's so cool. Uh, yeah. I've, I've heard it's I only saw, like 30 minutes too, which is surprising. Yeah, it's short. Yeah. I saw a great, but, a great tweet though that said, uh, everybody loved Boba minutes for no reason for his five minutes of screen time. And within five minutes of screen time in this episode, he proved why you should love him. Yeah. And they yeah. Were like, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. yeah. Hell yeah. Yep. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, we'll definitely rad. do try to do a season wrap up on that when that when that time comes. I think there's what two more episodes left in the season. I believe so. I yes. So. Cool. So right around uh, the time of Wonder Woman eighty four. <laughs> pretty much. <Yeah. laughs> Six um, hour podcast. Uh, right. Here one. we go, <laughs> baby. Three parter. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop 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 Culture Podcast. Uh, Taylor, where can everybody find you on the internet? You can find wait, me. Wait, wait, she's got a finger up. What's up? No, Lauren? no, no. Keep going. Oh, I just can... have something. Taylor, to plug where can everybody find you on the internet? You can find me tweeting about things at Taylor Salen on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it at this point. I mean, you can find some of my other work online, but you know, that's the main the main point of contact. Lauren. I'm going to go slow in case you haven't found it I yet. I found it. It's okay, good. Where, where can everybody find you on the internet? <laughs> I am at underscore Miss Pixie underscore on Instagram. And I mentioned this on a previous podcast. Um, I recorded on another podcast uh, called Theoretical Thrills a while back. Um, and that episode will be releasing on December 23rd, just in time for the holidays, because it is a holidays themed episode. Nice beautiful it's a super fun podcast actually I've, I've been listening to all of the episodes and if you like theme parks and nerdy stuff they they mash the two together and i enjoy that's it that's awesome lot, so that I sounds like it. my that, that sounds like my kind of bag right there beautiful yeah. i will put look i i don't know how everybody listens to this some of it's probably apple some of it might be straight through shout engine because i that's the link i think i post them or, or spotify or spotify um, but I will post both that link for that podcast and the vulture link to the main article Beautiful. on age of the nerd.com. If yep. that's where you find uh, the podcast, I usually do like a write-up of the podcast at the same time. Oh, yeah. you, you know, I can't post links in the podcast cause your ears aren't connected to the internet yet. Yeah. Hurry up. Elon Musk. If you go to age of the nerd.com, I'll post the link to both of those things on there. I'm the LA nerd. Joel Reeves. You can find me everywhere on the internet at I'm the LA nerd. Uh, I, the last video I did on YouTube was about Spider-Man miles Morales trailer. Things just aren't coming out. So there's not a lot of videos to make. But uh, I am still every Friday on Fan Theory TV on YouTube for uh, Firefly reactions. So nice. go check still that out. Strong. And uh, still going <laughs> strong. And I will see everybody next time for the Wonder Woman episode. Let's we'll just see. call it that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Later, nerds. <laughs> Bye. Peace. And then we all just start chanting, Mank, Mank, Mank. Mank. As it grows no. louder and louder and the internet joins <laughs> in, in unison. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>